The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is finally April. The clock is ticking towards midnight. And some teams are already sure they're not going to be at the big dance uh, when it ends. There are teams who know that their chances of making the playoffs are slipping further and further out of their grasp. We've seen, we saw that Dadanov trade uh, rescinded a couple of weeks ago. We're looking at confirmation that some teams are going to be out of the playoffs. Some teams have actually stepped up their game in the last couple of weeks, uh, both since the deadline and in some cases a little bit before. Are you trying to tell me that Seattle is not going to repeat the 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 accomplishments of the Golden Knights? I, it's just barely possible that they do not repeat the accomplishments of the Golden Knights. Uh, speaking of the Golden Knights, um, what's the uh, what's the medal for ninth place? Is that lead? The medal for ninth place. Yeah. Uh, because that's ten. ten? No, Tin would be like sixth or seventh, I think. Oh. Tin's actually a little useful and not poisonous. Well, but lead is useful. It keeps out radiation and... But you don't want to go... You don't want it touching your body very often. That's true. That's why they usually wrap it in a in a big padded uh, uh, wrap when they give it to you at the x-ray machine. Yeah, that's true. Because... Ninth is exactly where the Vegas Knights sit today. Yes, okay. they have a winning record. This is a team that this is a team that is a plus sixteen in goal differential. Um, they've scored two hundred and twenty four goals. They just haven't been able to keep the puck out of the net. I mean, that's partially due to uh, Leonard has not had the greatest season, and he's on the shelf at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think he was back, but I think it was mostly as a backup uh, the last time I saw about three we- about three or four days ago. Oh, okay. Um, but their yes, pro- he's been up and down this year. Their they problem is Stone and other injuries as well. Yeah, their problem. Well, I mean, having Stone is one thing. I mean, their goal output is not a problem. They are among the league leaders. Yes. They're not tops. They're obviously not tops. I mean, you're looking at teams like Florida that has 282 goals for hello. So 224 is not tops, but they are in the top half as far as goals scored. Their problem is defense, not keeping the puck out of the net. And they've got, they've played three more games than the two playoff teams ahead of them, the two wildcard teams. So they've got three more than Dallas and two more than Nashville. So it's not just that they're in ninth. They don't have as many games to make up that difference either. And when I asked, I find this really interesting because one of this week's polls was which team is going to make the playoffs. Normally we don't see anything that I would, I would usually rule as a, um, uh, or as the voting coming out based purely on population. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a excess contribution of population to this week's uh, to this poll result. 
because okay. um, I took the I took four teams in the Western Conference on that bubble. Um, well, you've got seven, Winnipeg, eight, Nashville, eight. Vegas, and Dallas. Yeah, so you've got seven, eight, nine, and ten. Um, poll uh, ran for about three and a half, four days. Um, much to my surprise, given that they've been the golden boys of the league since they came in, the Vegas Golden Knights finished in last place. Um, given their Nashville finish just below them in votes, or just above them in votes, uh, so 14 point percent for Vegas, 16.3 for Nashville. I'm I'm somewhat surprised to see Winnipeg end up in third with over 30 percent of the vote. The the kicker is that both you and I had Vegas, not just. I don't know if I don't remember when we picked top three if they were in in any kind of order, but we both mentioned Vegas as the first team. So uh, Vegas being where they are is slightly surprising. Uh, I I expected more out of them. I mean, yes, they've had injuries uh, with Mark Stone, with Alec Martinez, uh, Robin Leonard being out for a time. The fact that the fans voting are saying that they're the least number of people picked Vegas to be there. It was only what fourteen percent. Fourteen percent, yeah. Either everybody knows something we didn't at the beginning of the season, or just don't expect that they're going to be able to make it up. I mean, my for the Pacific, I had picked apparently terribly this year because. Well, I had you had Vegas, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Yes. Okay, so Vancouver is not even going to be close. Nope. Uh, Edmonton is in third in the Pacific. So they're in at least. Um, hey, but I actually one of my surprises is actually going to hit possibly because L.A. is actually in. Sort of. Which is amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, it did better in the Central. Um, I had Colorado, Minnesota, and Dallas, and it looks like Dallas will be in, at least according to the voting, because, yeah, uh, Dallas came in with 39.5% of the vote. Yeah. Uh, and in the standings, they That's are true. And within I didn't the playoff structure. And I did not have Dallas. I had, wow, I did terrible in the Central. Colorado, St. Louis, and Minnesota. I mean, the season's not over yet. We're talking like the season's over, but it, looking at things the way they stand, it's like, uh, okay. I, mean, I find the Dallas pick the most surprising because they're exactly even in goal differential at the moment with ter- 67 games played. So how which, terrible did I do in the Central? Oh, wait, my three are all one, two, and three. <laughs> I just I don't under I honestly I'm surprised by St. Louis because I I didn't have that much faith in them this year. I think I think Houston has stolen them enough points because it it's it's not a Bennington thing. 
and and yeah, I was not relying. Thing. I was not relying on Bennington at all in this in this equation, but they also have scored 245 goals, so they're putting the puck in the net, and they're a plus 44. So St. Louis is doing something right. They're keeping the puck out, which is Huso. Defense, I mean, you don't hear much about their defense, though. I mean, their de- whose defense? St. Louis. Their defense is okay. Yeah, but you don't hear anything about. I mean, yes, okay, they it's have. It's only okay. They have Pareko. They have. I mean, for me to try and name all of them, difficult. I couldn't name all of them. Uh, I, I, I mean, they have Pareko. Got, they have Krug. They have. That's the two I got right off the tip of my tongue right there. Oh, per- I mean, Letty has spent time there in Falk. They just acquired Letty, didn't they? Yeah. The, the I mean, looking at looking at their roster, there's literally no reason for you to remember all of them. <laughs> Thank you. The, the guys on their roster right now, as far as uh, the Blues go, Bertuzzo, Fall, Krug, Letty, Nicola, uh, Pareko, Rosen, and Scandella. As much as I always like Scandella, he's not he's not a superstar. So no. So right now, I mean, looking at this right now, Nashville and Dallas, and and Dallas was the big winner of this poll, 39.5%. So, okay, Dallas is already in one of the two wildcard spots. Currently in one of the wildcard spots. Currently in, excuse me, currently in one of the wildcard spots. So based based on what I'm looking at on this poll, the fans that voted, our, our, our listeners that voted, say that, Winnipeg is going to overtake Nashville. And Winnipeg is not, I mean, right now, Winnipeg is sitting 76 points. I mean, Dallas is at 81, Nashville's at 82. And again, Winnipeg has played more games than Dallas or Nashville. I don't know that I agree with that. Do you have, I mean, do you have a thought on this? Do you think that this poll is accurate? Some of it is. Some of it is just Canadian bias against the Sun Belt. <laughs> okay. That's just the fact. Um, Winnipeg really is one of the most devoted hockey cities in the, in the con uh, on the continent. Um, and well, I don't think, I think that mathematically it's very difficult for, it would be very difficult for them to for uh, for Winnipeg to make the jump. It's not mathematically impossible. Uh, if we wander over to our good friends' uh, website at um, sportsclubstats.com mm-hmm. uh, and look at ye old Winnipeg Jets. Um, using the weighted stats, they still have. They've got a four. They've got a just under five percent uh, chance of making the playoffs. This wouldn't um, be ha- this wouldn't be that nasty graph that you put up in our in our in our segment map, would it? I had a look at this thing and I I just got even more confused. Um, <laughs> Using the more using the fifty fifty chances, um, which I would have to use, I would have to go into a long explanation 
yeah. on how they weight them. But Winnipeg's chances on that one uh, are 9.5% chance of making the playoffs. Okay. Which isn't, isn't great. Yeah. Vegas has a, as of right now, using the same uh, standard, 39.6% chance. Um, Vancouver, who, as we mentioned, they're down to a 4.1% chance. Um, Dallas Stars, it has listed here as 82.5% chance of making the playoffs. Wow. And Nashville is at 93.9. St. Louis basically has to completely collapse not to make the playoffs. Um, They're at a 97% chance. Um, Same with Edmonton. Edmonton is at an, well, not complete collapse, but close to it. Um, Edmonton is at a 84.6% chance of making the playoffs. Okay. Whereas you look at the Eastern Conference, the Bruins are at a 99.9% chance of making the playoffs Mm -hmm. uh, because they're 38 points ahead of the fourth place team in their in, in the Atlantic. <laughs> um, even the Washington Capitals, who are not who don't have quite the gap, are at 98.8 percent chance of making the playoffs. So effectively, they'd have to lose every game in regulation between now and the end of the season. And Detroit or the Islanders would have to win. Every game. <laughs> Every Not game. Impossible, but highly unlikely. So is this the 50-50 stat you were talking about, Ann? Using the 50-50. Um, yes. Because according to this, and I don't know if I'm updated or not, 50-50, Boston has a 100% chance of making the playoffs? Um, That might be... That's an interesting thing, because it says... You're using the 50-50? Yeah. Because it says 99.99 here. Okay. I'm looking at 100.0 for... But, yeah, there's weighted, and then there's 50-50. And, yeah, it says 100. Anyway, I don't know. 99.9. So there is a chance they could slip. There is a chance they could slip. Yes. I think what this is trying to tell me, though, is that the East is set. The East is set, and it's only really the seating that is going to come down, that is that is going to change or may change. I mean, the fact that a team with 91 points is sitting in the first wild card slot tells you all you need to know right there. Because- um. Uh, so the East is a little bit more competitive than the West, and maybe? or Oh, the East is stronger than the West. It's deeper than the West. I mean, if you look at the top eight teams in the East, mm-hmm. um, and then look at the top eight teams in the West, take take Boston and yeah. compare them to the West, how many teams in the West do you genuinely think would beat the Bruins in a seven-game series? How many teams in the West? 
out of that top eight? Two, maybe three. Okay, and Boston is in the second – is not the well, top just, team. Well, technically, yeah. If, if Boston were in the West, I mean, geographically that's impossible. I get it. But if but, Boston were in the West points-wise, they're in second place. Well, if Boston played in the West, they'd be playing Arizona and Chicago and Anaheim <laughs> and San Jose and Vancouver more often. I and they probably yeah. have 106 points by now. I am going to say, yeah, you can't play it in a vacuum. I get that. But if you just – Literally look at points right now. The only team better than them points-wise in the West is Colorado. Um, so in a seven-game series, I think that Colorado has a really good chance of beating them because Colorado is that much faster and more skilled and yes. highly skilled. I think that Minnesota is a really strong team, but playoff experience is going to come into effect, and you yes. still have Bergeron and Marsh and – um, who have who have won the cup on that team? But you said um, how many teams have a chance? I mean, I didn't have, have a strong chance. Like if I, I was betting, I, I had I was betting a month's rent at the start of a series between Boston and the top eight teams in in the West. I'd have three. maybe only two teams I would bet against the Bruins. I have I had three: Colorado, Minnesota, and I, the. Calgary is another one that I don't know if it's a strong chance. It it, it depends on which Markstrom shows up for one thing. Now make the same, make the same calculations against Carolina. (laughs) Uh, The only team I I have a strong feeling could win in a seven game series is Colorado. But even yeah, there, it, it lessens much. And Colorado still it, you're talking about the best defense in Carolina going up against a prolific offense, prolific scoring offense in in Colorado. You know, it, it's like what's that? What, what's that phrase? The immovable defense object, the immovable object and the irresistible force. Which one's going to give way? And then it'll come down to goaltending. And I like Darcy Kemper, but Fred Anderson's having himself a strong season. So that's almost that's almost a, a six to five and pick them. And take Minnesota from the East. How many teams in the East do you think they'll beat in a seven game series? Uh, Washington. Um, if you're talking if you're talking just the top eight. Washington, maybe. I think they can. I think they can take Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Okay, I could see Pittsburgh. And I have I, to put I the Rangers at a toss-up. Rangers would be a toss-up. That's why I discounted that. Because both teams, both the Rangers and the and the Wild, are really young teams at their core. The uh, again, we're talking playoffs and, and not in a vacuum. You have to sit there and say, is Shesterkin a better goaltender? Is, can he steal that? Can he steal them a series? I think he can. Although playoff wise, he's untested. I, as far as I know, he has no playoff experience. Okay, let's take the L.A. Kings. They've still got what four or five players who won the cup there. Well, maybe it's not five. But they've got Doughty, they've got Brown, they've got Kopitar, and they've got Quick. We'll call it four. There may be another one, but I can't remember who it is. Are there? Five teams that they could beat in the East? Yeah, I don't expect. I don't think yeah, 
I don't think so. I don't. I don't know that LA's playoff run is going to be a a long one. I don't think it's going to be long and deep unless they can muster something. And and I mean they they've surprised us this far. I mean the fact that they're second in 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 the West is unexpected. I mean even when I picked them, I was more about the West than it says about them. Yeah. I agree with um, that. I, I agree with that completely. I mean, it, I, I think because of that cup winning experience, especially where they have it both on the front, on the blue line and up front, it wouldn't surprise me if they caught a young team like the Rangers or Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh and Washington are old teams. Like, as well as Ovechkin is playing, as well as Crosby is finally winding up. And their young players have done a reasonable job or did a reasonable job when Crosby and Malkin and Latang were out early on. The voices that are going to be heard in that locker room or whose on ice and Doughty is going to sway the other players most. And Doughty, I'm sure, is not a quiet man in the locker room. (laughs) I, I can't imagine that Dustin Brown is particularly quiet either. Injured, injured or not, I'm sure that Drew is, uh, I'm sure that Drew is heard loud and clear in the locker room. <laughs> and yes, I don't, I can't see Dustin Brown being a quiet, being the quiet type. Kopitar, I could see being quiet. But Kopitar is still going to go out on the ice and be better than 90% of the league on an average day. Is Kopitar just the Western version of Bergeron? I'd say he's a, an improved version of Miko Koivu. I'm talking in terms of not 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 necessarily talent. I'm talking in terms of like personality. Bergeron is not a loud leader. Bergeron is a leader, but I don't see him being the loud in your face. Oh, I I don't I honestly and, don't think there's that many loud in your face leaders in I, the I, NHL. I don't think Kopitar is that way either. I see Kopitar as being like the Bergeron of the West. He's he's yeah. a leader by example. He's a leader because you don't want to let him down. He's a leader. There's the thing. And he'll probably speak. He probably doesn't speak more than four or five times a season in the locker room. But damn sure someone hears his voice saying something serious and everyone shuts the hell up. Yes. And yeah, you've got Jonathan Quick, who's who's got two Stanley Cups and, and a... And a, 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 a very memorable uh, or speech when he when he when they had their uh, cup celebration the first time. Yes. And and he's got himself a playoff MVP. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's dive in. We've already covered that first. I was going to say I think we kind of already dove in i think we just need to keep swimming keep swimming keep our heads above water here at this point so what next uh do we want to talk about the positive the negative or the unknown uh i have no idea let's go with the next one on the You've got Huberdo. Let's go. Well, what did Huberdo do? All right, let's go with positives because we got Huberdo and Kiro Kaprizov, and it ties into Minnesota and everything else. So, Hubie Dooby Doo, as Alan Walsh put it, 
has now has the <laughs> most good assists, friend Alan Walsh. The most assists in one season <laughs> by a left wing in NHL history. Um, previously, the record was held at 70 since 1992-93 season by a Bruin. By Joey Juno, um, who a uh, an alumni of Rensselaer out in uh, in Albany, uh, Troy, Albany, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, the engineers, as it happens, um, that record stood for more than twenty years. That's a pretty impressive thing. And as much as I enjoyed watching Joey Juno play. I would not have guessed that he held that record. Did he not? Wait, but did he not play and or learn under the tutelage of some guy named Adam Oates? Yeah, they played uh, mm. him and him and Oates played together here in Boston. Yeah. And I Adam say, Oates was I only like that was before or after uh, Neely. Adam Oates was only like, no, I thought Neely was there, too, but. Because Neely was also a left wing. Adam Oates being a fabulous, fabulous passer of the puck. Um, yeah, it, I'm not surprised. I would, if you would ask me who what uh, who had the most assists in one season, I probably would not have come up with his name first. No, um, and in fact, even the others in that top five, um, Kevin Stevens, okay. Matt's Nasland, I'm probably I'm probably more inclined to think of Matt's Nasland and you know Michelle Goulet. I wouldn't have thought of him because no, just far enough back. Kevin Stevens, I, I, I who by the way also played briefly for Boston. Most of his career, yes, with Pittsburgh, but briefly he was a Bruin. Yeah, there's it's it's not like the names on that list are Ovechkin or you know, Well, that, I mean, I I initially it, thought it would be Ovechkin who was passing, but then I realized that he's more of an assist man. Now, if you had said if you had told me it was Kovalchuk that he was passing, I would have said, "Oh, wow." Uh because Kovalchuk was a really good distributor yes. as well as a left wing. Oh yeah, that that seventy goal, that seventy assist season for Joey Gino. Mm-hmm. Um, he had one hundred and two points, thirty two goals, plus twenty three, and was only second in scoring on the team. <laughs> second. Now this was this was a season with eighty four games, but the guy in first had forty five goals, ninety seven mm-hmm. assists. <laughs> And was a plus 15 um, Adam Oates. Yeah. Like I said, didn't he play with some guy named Adam Oates who was a fabulous passer of the puck? (laughs) And what an interesting team it was that year. Um, Brian Sutter was the head coach. They went 51, 26, and 7. Ray Bork was third in scoring with 82 points in 78 games. Uh Uh-huh. Dmitry Kartanov. Uh, oh, Dmitry Kartanov. Yeah, little. Uh, that's little. That's, that's little Joe. Uh, that's Haas. Excuse me. Seventy-two points in seventy-three games. Steve Leach, Dave Pullen, Vladimir Ruzitska, 
Dave Reed, Ted Donato, Don Sweeney, Glenn Wesley, Steve Hines, uh, David Shaw. Cam Neely only played 13 games that season. Yeah, that um, was that was like the end. Gord Murphy and Gordy Roberts were on the team that year. Um, Darren okay. Kimball, Glenn Featherstone. Oh, don't remind me. Brent Hughes, um, Tim Sweeney, Glenn Murray, no um, Brian Smolinski, Joseph Stumple. Joseph Stumple, my dad's favorite character. He used to refer to him as Joey Stumps. I miss, <laughs> I, like, I like Stumple, but I was so mad when they traded Smolinski. So Smolinski. Uh, and, of team, course, my first favorite goalie. Uh, yes. Andy Moog. Andy Moog was... Yeah, I I loved Andy Moog. Yeah, and just just as a reminder of how much the league has changed, Andy Moog played that season um, as their number one clear number one goaltender. Fifty five games played. Yeah, he had an eight seventy six save percentage, and he wasn't exactly overworked at fifty five games. I mean, we talk about we talk that about was, government mules now playing seventy plus games a season sometimes. I mean, John Blue had 23 games that year with eight with an 8.93 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Some guy named Lemlin had uh, Lemlin, yeah. had an 8.62 uh, in his 10 games. Mm. Yeah, Reggie Lemlin, of course, the twice drafted. He was drafted into both the NHL and the WHA uh, in 1974, uh, going in the seventh and thirteenth rounds. Yeah, we don't have 13 rounds, people. We <laughs> Not anymore. No. We don't even have nine rounds anymore. Nope. That team was – it was something to watch it offensively. It was – It was. I was not a huge fan of, of, of Glenn Featherstones, that's for certain. Uh, that Dave Reed is, yes, the Dave Reed that's on the NHL Network. Uh, it was an entertaining team, yes. Well – Definitely an entertaining team. I mean, just looking at the PIM totals of, I think the, I'm fairly certain the PIM total for this team is very close to the entire Atlantic Division this year. Probably yeah, it, times have definitely changed. Save percentages are way up. PIMs are way down. I mean, Brent Hughes, who played in all of 62 games, <laughs> yes. had 191 penalty minutes. <laughs> I wonder what his role was. Um, Dave Shaw had 108. Even, even what was it? Uh, even Cam Neely that year, who didn't play much, 13 games, he still had 25 penalty minutes, and I suspect he got them five at a time. <laughs> well, considering you can divide by five, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Ray Bork uh, had a minuscule 40 penalty minutes that year. But even Steve Leach, who was, you know, fifth in scoring for the team, he had 126 uh, penalty minutes. 26 goals, 25 assists, 126 pims. Yeah. Different times. Different times. Um, so Hubert congratulations to him. He's going to keep padding that number. It And, and Alan... And- and Alan Walsh will not let us forget that. 
hey, Alan's got a job to do, and that's promoting. And he does it, and he does it very well and colorfully. He's <laughs> always entertaining. Yes, which is why I do follow him on Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, I expect he'll hit like seventy-five or probably seventy-seven, seventy-eight assists by the end of the year. Um, he's got 68 games on the, uh, in the bucket this year. Um, mm-hmm. and he's now up to 73, uh, for a total of 96 points in 68 games. Yes. Again, 96 so points in 68 games. He's got more than an assist per game. If he hadn't scored games. a single goal this season, he'd still be having an all-star worthy uh, all-star worthy season. It's just amazing how long it took him to get there because when he, when he and came how out fanfare, he's getting, Oh, he, he gets little to none as far as accolades or acknowledgements. Nobody sits there and goes, Oh my God, look at this guy. He's a superstar. And okay. from, for the beginning of most of the beginning of his career, he wasn't. Okay. A lot the of people considered him a flop. The next highest assist total on his team is some of the Boston Bruins should have snagged out of Buffalo uh, either with Paul or just afterwards, is that it belongs to – oh, I'm sorry, it's not Sam Reinhardt. Uh, Sam Reinhardt is at 41. Aaron Ackblad, who had that injury, and we mentioned that a little bit ago, has 42. So, yes, there is a 31-assist gap between first and second on the team. Um, if I'm starting my heart shortlist, Alan Walsh is going to be really happy to get whispers of what it is. But we're talking about a guy who, up until the 18-19 season, uh, even, if, even if you go back to 17-18, because he, he that was really a sort of breakout year for him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who played 31 points in 48 games, 28 points in 69, 54 in 79, 59 in 76, 26 in 31. It wasn't until 17, 18, where he had 69 and 82. And then after that, he's been look at, better than a point per game. The thing I will game. say is look at some of those teams. Even in the 12-13 season, which yeah. was a shortened season. Yep. Thomas Fleischman was the team's leading scorer. <laughs> Thomas Fleischman, I remember him actually. Yeah. Um, and Fleischman retired like three years later. That was his rookie. That was Huberto's rookie season. We're talking six, year, We're talking six, seven years before he became the star. The guy we know ex- now. Yes. The star people expected him to be. The next season. Brad Boys led the team in goal scoring. Brad! Still miss him. But Nick Bugstad. Yeah. Nick Bugstad led the team in total scoring with 38 points. 38 points. When was this? 13-14? 13-14. Yeah, that was a bad team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Roberto Luongo put in a reasonable effort in his in 14 games with a 9.24 save percentage. That's impressive. In 14 games. Okay. 
Tim Thomas put somehow behind this defense put up a 909 save percentage mm-hmm. and they were probably the two most valuable players on the team. Both of them at like 40 something that year. No, I'm sorry. Luongo was only 34 that year, um, but didn't play much longer. And I think this was actually la- uh, Thomas's last season. Yeah. Um, he moved Tim around Thomas after, was 39. Yeah. After the Bruins, he moved around a little bit before. I mean, Joe Vinovsky managed to make it into 37 games that year, and he was... Eddie Joe. He was 37 that year. He got a total of five points. That was a terrible, 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 really bad team. Really? That's the rumor. Like... Like Arizona bad? Possibly worse than Arizona, because... (laughs) I mean, the first time it got somewhat reasonable again was that 15-16 season where Huberto was fourth in scoring behind Yaramir Yager, who still only had his jersey number as... No, 66? No, he wore 68. Um, Who had 66 points. UC Jokinen... And Alexander Barkov. Riley Smith was there that year. Well, 25, wait a minute. 25 and 50. In 13-14, they, 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 they didn't qualify for the playoffs, but they finished seventh. So nowadays they would have qualified. Granted. And they had good goaltending in 15-16. I mean, they had a 9.22 from Luongo and a 9.19 from Al Montoya. The thought, the thought that 66 points would have got you into the playoffs is kind of scary, but okay. <laughs> 66 points, and you're leading a team in scoring and taking it into the playoffs. No, no, no. 66 points is how many points the team got in the season. That's bizarre. And, that can't and be they right. finished and they finished seventh in the Atlantic. Again, things. Oh, they finished seventh in the Atlantic. Yeah, that's OK. Anyway, the bad, just bad. Yes, bad, bad, bad. Uh, not seventh in the Eastern Conference, seventh in the Atlantic. Uh, OK, yeah, that's different still story. bad. Still bad. Yes. <laughs> um, but Huberto, like legitimately anyone, anyone leaving him off their shortlist for the heart. Why? Like, mm. I think he's, I think he needs to be in the conversation. I'm not giving it to him outright yet, but I think he needs to be in the conversation. Absolutely. Oh, and don't forget that this is a team that a lot of people didn't think we're going to be anywhere near the top of the division this year when <clears throat> someone predicted they would. Uh, let's see. Atlantic. Mm. You do have Florida. Yep. Oh, wait, I didn't have Florida. Oh, bad miss on my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. And their goal differential is a mere plus 81 through uh, 68 games. Plus 81. Hmm. So, Which is bigger than anyone else's goal differential in the entire league by... Well, 
as I as I stated at the beginning of the show, 282 goals puts them at the top as far as goals for. So yeah, and 201 against that's that's solid. It's not great, but it's solid. No, you want to talk about goals against Calgary 171. Calgary or Carolina 164 through <laughs> through 69 games. Yeah, Calgary, 68 games, 171. So there's your top two defensive teams. Which is surprising given how we've questioned Calgary's goaltending throughout the year. Markstrom has been solid, and they got Bladar as a backup, and he's been solid in the backup role. They haven't overused him. They, they at Calgary's getting what they expected out of Markstrom. Uh, when they signed him, they really are. He's always been, and we've talked about him. He's always been consistent, not great. He's not, you know, never said he was elite, but he's been consistent. And this year, he's a little bit better than that. And if he continues it, he's in the conversation for some hardware himself this year. Fair deal. Uh, Another team has a new score, single season scoring record. Um, Marion Gafford's name has been bumped from the top. Ah, uh, Kirill Kaprizov has passed uh, has passed him for most points in a single season for the Minnesota Wild. Um, I. <sighs> I think that Minnesota has, in a lot of ways, been the unluckiest franchise in the league for <laughs> since they since the team came back, or in since what? Minnesota got their second team. In what way? You had Miku the first, <laughs> the first ten or twelve years, every top pick they had was horribly injured all the time. Like Gabrick himself was injured on a regular basis. Yeah, their best player, the best player in the first 10 years of their existence. Again, yes. injured on a regular basis. Don't remember um, Gabrick playing much on the penalty kill, though, but OK. No, Gabrick did not play much on the penalty kill. Um, and Kaprizov's record is good. I mean, 85 points in 66 games is nothing to sneer at, particularly when you're talking about a guy taken 135th. Um, a pick that the Boston Bruins swapped to them for Cameron, the pick that turned into Cameron Clark. Hey, guy. Yeah, let's, has, let's keep bringing up all of the. What year was that again? Was that another, um, Cameron Clark was the 2016 draft. So that was a Sweeney's move. Okay. That was a Sweeney's move. Um, so let's keep talking about the failures of. No, let's not. <laughs> um, and don't forget that Cameron Clark was swapped from the. Uh, Wichita Thunder to the Toledo Walleye at some point this season. Whoa. Yes, yes. I missed that, I missed that move. Um, so 85 points, 66 games. He's one goal away from popping in his 40th um, in uh, of the season. Damn. Yeah. Um, but you go back and look at <clears throat> some of their players from, again, from the very early years of the team. Uh, Not good. 
I mean, Marion Gabrick in a thousand was there was their first overall pick in two thousand when they joined the league. He had a good career, but you look at even the rest of that draft, and it tells you the story for the franchise. Their second round pick, their second round pick, Nick Schultz, one thousand sixty nine games, one hundred and seventy five points. Okay. Yeah, uh, Miku Koivu was taken first overall uh, in the next year, in the next round, ra- or in 2001. 1,035 games. And then you have a couple of guys who I don't ever remember seeing, and Stephen Velou, who I don't even remember him actually playing that much for Minnesota. But then again, yeah, he only played. I mean, he played significant time. He just didn't do much. Go go to their third year. Mark Pierre Bouchard only played uh, 593 games, 356 points, and the rest. And there were 10 goals between the rest of their draft class. Okay. The rest of the draft class that year for them. So not a good draft class. Not a good draft class. Keep moving to 03. They draft Brent Burns, who has at least made an impact. But while he had a couple of really, really high-end offensive years, he's at about a half a point per game at this point in his career. A little over. He's at 768 and 1237. Um, So probably... 60% of a point per game. I could do the math. It's not relevant. 04. They might as well have saved themselves a trip to the draft. Uh, Literally (laughs) just traded traded all of the picks away. Uh, I mean, Ryan Jones is the best known player from that draft. Uh, Let's see. 05. They got Benoit Pouliot who basically Benny Poo, Benny Poo, that Benny Poo, 263 games and 625 goal uh, games. Does that sound like a first overall pick to you? Um, I believe we've had this discussion before and I the answer think is the, hell I think no. the answer was hell no. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he, they took him fourth overall in that first round. Yeah. That was a miss. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that went after him, Carrie price, uh, he they call him like the best goalie in the world or something like that. But yeah, still available in the first round. Even Devin Setaguchi would have been a significantly better pick. Wait, they did eventually get. Games. They did eventually acquire Devin Setaguchi from the Sharks. Yeah, it was many years later, but you know. <laughs> um, Anze Kopitar went eleventh in that draft. Imagine, oh, imagine the difference if you have. Kopitar and Koivu as your number one and number two centers. <laughs> Mark Stahl, who's who's still going, over a thousand games played. This is almost as bad. A, no, not quite. TJ Oshie, Tuka Rask went in this draft. Uh huh. In the first round here. Uh huh. Um, Andrew Cogliano. TJ yeah, Oshie. Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, Matt Niskanen. Um, Even Steve Downey would have probably protected Gabrick and some of the others a little bit better. 
Um, so and that's Benny, just the first round. So Benny Pooh at four, not good. Um, if you look a little bit deeper, Mark Edward Vlasic was taken in the second round that year. Um, Paul Stasny was taken in the second round that year. Um, James Neal, the real deal. The real deal? The real hand deal? Um, go back to the third round. Chris Letang was taken in this, dra- in this draft. Does if they had count? gone on, a, if they had taken a flyer and literally gone with a, the 62nd pick or the guy who turned out to be the 62nd pick, yeah, they would have gotten him. Um, some guy named Jonathan Quick was taken in the fourth round, in the third round. Hmm. I think he's Chris Russell, who I'm not that high on. Defenseman. Defenseman. Yeah. He was a he went uh, 67th in that year. Um, let's see. There's. Oh, we already talked about him earlier in this draft. Uh, Keith, uh, in this show, Keith Yandel went in the we, fourth uh, round. We haven't talked about him yet. You're foreshadowing now. Uh, Vladimir Sabotka went. Mini, mini Milan. Uh, their fourth round pick, Kyle Bailey, was never present in the NHL. Oh, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, Darren Helm, 800 games, Detroit. For Detroit, yep, I know Darren. 262 points and 800 games. Um, is that is that more than Benny Pooh? Uh, it's one actually. It's actually one less uh, oh. point than Benny Pooh, but but way more games, like 175 more games, and still playing. Yeah, not here. Uh, not in the NHL. He's did he go? Did he go to Europe? Um, no, he's playing for the Avs this year. Darren Helm. Darren Helm is playing for the Avs. He's getting played in 56 games, six goals. Damn, 11, I missed that. 11 okay. points. I know that he wasn't playing for the for the Wings, but damn. Okay, I missed that. Believe it or not, the NHL extends further than Detroit. Hey, 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 hey. Let's yeah, let's calm it down there. So Minnesota, Minnesota what you're trying had, to tell me is just had some bad luck or bad Bad luck and scouting. bad decision making. Yeah. And even yes, the last pick of the seventh ra- of the draft in uh, 05, Patrick Hornquist. Five hundred yeah, and he's supposedly points. pretty good. Five hundred and thirty six points. Yeah, he's supposedly pretty good. That's more than twice as many <laughs> as Ben. Actually, Benoit, uh, Benoit Pouliot has less total points than Hornquist has assists and only one more point than uh, than Hornquist has goals. Okay. Like. Fourth overall pick, huh? Fourth overall pick. Nice. The 2006 draft, they got Cal Clutterbuck as their third round pick. And that was their best pick in the draft because James Shepard. Yeah, never heard of him. Yeah, no. Crickets. Their seven, uh, their 2007 draft. Yeah. They might as well have stayed home. Wow, again? You screwed up the four. You screwed up the Colton, seven. Okay. They got Colton Gillies, the Justin Falk with no you, Cody <laughs> Almond, and Carson McMillan who all played a few games in the NHL. Uh, who? Yeah, okay. But exactly. Frigates. 
<laughs> their best. I need a, I need a cricket sound effect here. I need a cricket. 2008. We we just mentioned Marco Scandella a few minutes ago. Okay, Solid good. defenseman. Solid pick. Yeah. But their first round pick was Tyler Kuma. Yeah, crickets. Ah, uh, ty- yes, Tyler Kuma, who played in one game, got two penalty minutes, and was never seen again. And Enjoy he was, your coffee. Thank you for playing. Like, did his coffee even have time to cool? No. no. Um, they somehow picked late in that draft in, at 23rd. Wow. But at, taken later in that draft, Tyler Ennis, significantly better player. John Carlson, who's kind of won a Norris in a cup. Yeah. That's just the first round. Um, and then you've got Markstrom, you've got Jake Allen, you've got um, Justin Schultz, uh, Derek Stepan, Travis Amonic, Mar- um, their own Marco Scandella. And I've always wondered, is it pronounced Hamonic or Hamonic? It depends on the year. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Both yeah, so have home. I. That's why I wonder. <laughs> I mean, their 09 draft is reasonable like, until you remember that um, didn't Nick Letty not play there most of his career? Yes, he did not play there most of his career. They drafted him 16th, and he's got 838 games, none of them for that team. For Minnesota. <laughs> None of them. And the guys, they, they traded him. Uh, they traded the draft picks. Uh, let's see. So you made the point, yes, that bad, de- bad decision-making, bad drafts, bad, bad luck. Bad luck with health. Um, this is just awful. I mean. It's literally awful. And, and even even coming up to some of the more recent drafts, 013, they spent a per, their second, their first pick in the draft was the second round. Gustav Olofsson. In the 15, 15, they actually did something sort of right, kind of. Well, that is that the was, draft they got Kaprizov. Well, that was the that was the year for the Bruins to completely hose themselves. Yeah. Yes. They got Joel Erickson in the first round, a guy who was nominated for a Selkie. Yep. They got Jordan Greenway, um, who. Be you, boy. Um, who actually is still playing for them. Yep. Um, three years at BU. Probably a um, 104, But 104 points in 264 games. Yeah. Middle six forward, big, strong, six foot four, six foot five, something like that. Uh, listed at six six, but yeah, um, sixteen is somewhat better. Ninety one points, two hundred thirty seven games for Luke Cunning and Brandon DeHaime, is it? Um, also has gotten into sixty five games despite COVID and all the other nonsense. Oh, okay. Seventeen draft, probably should have stayed home. <laughs> their fourth, one of their fourth round picks has made it into three games and picked up five pims. There you go. And he's the superstar of that draft class. I'll bet that was a fight. Uh, the 18 draft, it's probably a little early to flush it. But again, uh, Connor Duar, 30 games, five points, 25 pims from a third rounder. And out of their like nine picks that year, 
He's the superstar. <laughs> yes, but <sighs> we haven't we haven't seen what Garen is capable of because he's only had one. Did he have last year's draft? He's only had one draft. With, with, so let's give Bill Garen a year or two and see what he can. Oh, pull I, out I haven't. Hat. I, I think Bill Guerin's done as good a job as anyone could in his times there, but the franchise as a whole has been yes not blessed. So Kaprizov is sixth in scoring in in, in all of the NHL. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave him out for a minute. But I do have one quick question before we move away from Hubido Kaprizov. Yep. Top three points: McDavid one hundred two. Dreisaitl, 99. Huberdo 96. Now, McDavid, do my question is, is it automatic because McDavid six points ahead of Huberdo? I mean, is it strictly, is the MVP award, the heart, strictly a points per? Because if you expand it out. As described or as voted? As voted. Because if you expand points. it out, Huberdo is a plus 26. McDavid is only a plus 19. Even Which strength goals, the difference in points, even strength points. They're pretty close. Huberdo 61, McDavid 63 uh, power play points. However, McDavid has 38. Huberdo only has 30. So he does more of his scoring, even strength. Um, shorthanded points. McDavid only has one and it's an assist. Huberdo has five. Three of them being goals. So, Mike, how do you not consider Huberdo when the expanded stats, and I didn't even get into all the other crap, Corsi, this, that, and everything else. I'm just talking like, yes, okay, points points per game, 1.5 versus 1.41. Yes, McDavid has more points. He's played the same number of games. But when you expand it out, Huberdo is more valuable in my opinion, than a McDavid. You're not going to get an argument from me here. McDavid is ridiculously good at putting points on the board. Well, it helps that he has the guy at number two. In, and that's know, where it stops. You know, you get the guy at number two. He's got 99 points. And, oh, wait, he plays on the same team as McDavid. It's some Dre, 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 Dre Sadel. Yeah. Some guy, Dre Sadel, yeah, who, by the way, is completely – I mean, he's got 49 goals and 50 assists. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of 50 assists. Yes. Kale McCarr, uh, a couple of nights back, hit the 50 assists uh, mark, um, and he is just the sixth defenseman – uh, to record a season of 24 or more goals and 50 assists at 23 or younger. Uh-huh. The others are guys that no one has ever heard of. Um, I, I might take the time to explain a couple of them. There's this guy named, and I looked up the pronunciations. Oh, okay. Yeah, I looked at, I looked them up. Uh, yeah. Paul Coffey. And it's definitely, even though, even though it's spelled with a Y and not an E, it's pronounced coffee. It, it's pronounced coffee. I'm sure of it. Okay. Um, Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr, isn't he like, I don't know, like the best defenseman, like of all time. Best. Some would say all I ever know. All I've ever known him as, as an, is an, as an agent. So I I couldn't say. Oh, okay. 
um, Dennis Potvin. Uh, the last guy I had, this yeah, guy that, I had to, I had to double check guy. the pronunciation. That Potvin guy, I think he's won like I don't know, like a bunch, like a lot of Stanley Cups, I think. Probably, I, I'd have to look at the record books. I, he he was probably like a role player, like seventh defenseman or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. But the next guy, I, I had to go look for footage on him because I don't think I'd ever seen him play any of his sixteen hundred or so NHL games. Um, Ray Bork. Ray Bork. Ray Bork. I think he was pretty good. <laughs> middle middle six defenseman, something like that. I did. I think he was pretty good. Yeah, I I think he middle six like defenseman because <laughs> there's such a thing as a 12, middle six defenseman. Twelve minutes a night. Was that you think that's probably his average? Twelve, Maybe 13. thirteen. He might have got up to fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Steve Duchesne. So all of these names, uh, they all when they sign autographs, they put those three letters after their name H O F. Hands off, friend. Sure, that that's probably what it means. Yeah. And Kel McCarr has done it now, and he's what early mid twenty early twenties. Well, he's under twenty three. Twenty-three or younger. So, is there a possibility that this guy is going to be pretty good? Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. Kale McCarr will turn twenty-four this October thirtieth. His mother should have waited a full day to have him Halloween birthday. That would have been cool. Um, now, considering that his first two full seasons in the NHL were both shortened, yes. he might have had a couple of more already. Because he had last year in 44 games, he had 36 assists. The previous year, his rookie season, he had 38 in 57. Yeah, and he 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 come close to having three seasons of 50 plus helpers. Yeah, but the thing is, it's 24 plus goals and 50 plus assists. Yeah, but I mean three. Uh, he might have done both last season. I think he, I, I want to. I know he had some sort of injury uh, that kept him out of some games. Yeah, but man, offensively, Kale McCarr is is a talent. There's no denying that. And yet, three people passed him passed him over in that 2017 draft. Haven't two of it? Let's see. Three people, huh? Jersey passed him over for Nico Heischer. <laughs> Oops. Philadelphia passed him over for Nolan Patrick, who they moved on from already. Oops. And Dallas passed him over for Miro Heiskanen. Now, Miro Heiskanen went straight to the NHL and has played 260 games to Kale McCarr's 166. Nico Heischer has already has already crossed 289 games. He'll hit he should hit his 300th before the end of the year, and he'll hit the 200 point mark. Uh, by that time as well. He's at 195. He had, as, he had a bad shoulder or neck injury or something. Too. In that first year or so. Yeah. Um, safe to say that he's not losing position uh, if this draft is redone. Um, McCarr? McCarr, yeah. So if this draft were redone, he wouldn't be picked like first overall? Well, he's not going to be drafted at a higher at a higher number. He might be redrafted at first, but 
let's not overlook the fact that uh, Elias Pettersson still leads that draft class in points with 202. Oh, okay, yeah. So, And if you're looking at the quality of team, Elias Pettersson is on the worst team, well, maybe arguably on the... I would say they're on the most confu- he's on the most confused team because that team should be better than it is at least on paper. Uh Philadelphia has I don't know what's wrong in Philly. I really don't know what's wrong in Philly. On paper they should be better. New Jersey is still a work in progress. Uh but Vancouver just I don't know if they believe in themselves right now. So Two out of the top four defensemen in the NHL in points this season have both come from Massachusetts schools. Because you got McCarr at second, Fox at fourth. Um, Now Fox is ahead because he's already won a Norris. Yossi this year is just off the charts. Although, I mean, again, if you expand it out, what are you looking at? Because Roman Yossi's a plus 22, Makar's a plus 39. If and you're asking me which of those two I want for a playoff run, as much as I love Makar, I'm taking Yossi. And it's not it's not even something I'm going to They have to think about. Okay. I'm not – they both – let's put it this way. They both average – there is literally an average of 16 seconds a night difference between them. Yossi, 25-20, Makar, 25-36. I mean, and then you got in third, Victor Hedman, you know, at a lazy 25-19. How do they let him still still play in the league? And, oh, by the way, Victor Hedman has a plus 17. He's got 19 goals, 47 assists. And I'm certain that he's a little bit older than Makar. Uh, he's probably about the same age as Josie, I'm guessing. Right around the same age, yeah. So it's it's not even like it's a young man's game because you got Yossi and Hedman at one and three. You got Makar and Fox at two and four. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, there's an interesting list of coaches. Oh, coaches. 11 okay. strong. So effectively a third of the league. Uh-huh. You either have an interim title or an expiring contract. And some of them are fairly interesting. I mean, I, I suspect about this le- this list is split about in thirds as to what will happen with them. Okay. Um, but here's uh, here they are. Dallas Eakins in Anaheim. Derek King in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Jeff Blaschel in Detroit. Rick Bonus in Dallas. Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton. Andrew Brunette in Florida, Martin, uh, Marty St. Louis in Montreal, mm-hmm. John Hines in Nashville, Mike Eo in Philly, uh, Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver, and last, uh, Dave Lowry, who took over when their coach resigned in Winnipeg. Um, so if I had, if I were a betting man, I'd say the one guarantee or close to guarantee is that Brunette loses the interim and becomes head coach of Florida. Unless someone poaches him. Is he also on an expiring contract? Uh, that I don't know. Um, I would assume that Florida is going to try and keep him like unless he royally, royally 
screws everything up in the playoffs. There's no reason not to uh, not to hold on to him. But uh, yeah. if, if they haven't extended him or at least dropped the interim tag, yeah, he's probably someone's screw someone's messing up. Bad. I think he's probably the most likely of everyone to still be in place uh, yes. when the season opens next year. I mean, now, some of, some of them I can see moving. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, is bonus going to get re-signed in Dallas? Do they make it out of the first round? Wow, it sounds like the same question. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it probably is the same question. It really yeah. probably is the the same question. Has Blaschel, I mean, has Blaschel finally worn out his welcome in Detroit? I know that Eisenman's kept him around because it's a rebuild and he wants one consistent voice. He doesn't want to be changing coaches while he's trying to make changes and improve the team. So he's kept the one. But at some point, is Blaschel done? And has their improvement this year been enough? I mean, they've had a little bit of an improvement. I don't know that they're anywhere closer to the playoffs than they were the last couple of years, but... Okay, your favorite phrase is about to come out of my mouth. Uh-oh. If the playoffs started today... Oh, God, stop. Dallas would open up against Colorado. And... If Rick they Bone... won that series, Rick well, Bonus they... would absolutely still have a job. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. And Rick Bonus is out of a job. And Rick Bonus... <laughs> If if they won that series or had a competitive series, it goes six games and they're all tight games. That might be a little bit fairer a, a way to judge it because to sit there and I don't know that I expect Dallas to be beating Colorado. I like Jake Ottinger, no playoff experience, and Jake obviously come from here in Massachusetts as well at Boston University. Uh, you know, I like Jake and Nett. I worry about the defense in front of him a little bit. They still have the ability to put the puck in the net quite a bit. When you look at guys like Pavelski, who's playing like a 27-year-old, not a 37-year-old. You got Rope Hints and, and Robertson and Jason Robertson and Guriano. They, they got guys who can put the puck in the net. My worry is that is the blue liners and the playoff inexperience in goal. Unless they decide to play somebody else, which wouldn't make sense. That's yeah. fair. I think St. Louis is probably staying, too. You think he's going to stay in Montreal? Okay. I think he's going to stay in Montreal. All right. Um, not Martin St. Louis is too big a name in hockey, too well-respected to get mm-hmm. hosed over – the fact that he took over a team that was already garbage. Okay. Um, I think, so, well, I think he's, yeah, I think if I, if I'm going to say he's staying, it's because he hasn't had, I don't think he's had enough time to show what he can or can't do. Plus that team is decimated. Uh, and they obviously became sellers at the draft and, and traded away a bunch. I mean, at the, at the deadline and, traded away some pieces so you, you lost to Foley and others I, I just yeah I think St. Louis gets a pass rather than I mean just because that's he, assuming he wants to stay he might go back to 
coaching elsewhere, coaching juniors, coaching wherever. I, I don't know how many more chances he would get, but mm-hmm. I think he's probably safe if he wants to continue coaching uh, at the NHL level, even though that rebuild is going to take a while. Well, yes. I mean, you got a new GM up there who's probably going to want to go his own direction. Um, new broom would be sensible there. Uh, there's is my, I, there's some good players on the team. But as a unit, who are they? Yes. Like, literally, who are they? They're not the Smurfs. They're not the super skilled team that won in 93. They're not. I mean, Gallagher is super gritty. Anderson as well. Mm-hmm. Hoffman's wife or girlfriend uh, probably shouldn't be allowed to talk to the other wives and girlfriends. Um, but she's still. <laughs> and there and those guys are all 27 and older um, with Hoffman at 32. Obviously, you're going to keep uh, Caulfield and Suzuki and Evans. But you look at their defense. Great heaping helpings of meh. Yes. I like David Savard. But at 31, he's not going to make it through a rebuild. Uh, Jeff Patrick no. at 34. Not going to make it through a rebuild, although there you have a no-movement clause. Um, given that he has not yet won a cup, you might be able to get him to tra- to waive it to go elsewhere. Depends on what it – I don't know if he makes the list or if, or how it works with his, with his no-movement, but, I mean, yeah, if you can get him to come up with a list of where and, and – work some agreement with the team that he wants to go to sure i can but at 34 yeah he's not going through a rebuild you're right savard uh his current contract he submits a 15 team no trade list oh he submits a team he submits a list of teams he doesn't want to go to everybody else's fair play okay. yeah so that still leaves uh 16 teams well yes you you know that there's going to be seattle <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, Arizona, um, <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo are clear are going to be on the list. They just where is Petri from? He's from Michigan. Uh, I don't think Edmund. I don't think the. I don't think Detroit's far enough along for him to want to go there, unless he's determined that you know he's just not going to win a cup at this point. Might as well go retire close to family. Yeah. Um, probably, probably a firm no across the board to the California teams as well. Has he has he been with Montreal long enough to develop a hatred of the Bruins? <sighs> uh, he's been there since the fourteen fifteen season, so probably yeah. Okay, so Bruins are on the list. <laughs> um. And the 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 thing there is that the Bruins uh, and I like Jeff Petrie and I think that he's got more skills than some people than some people give him credit for. Is he a great defenseman? No, but I think he's solid. Um, he's solid I mean, on the penalty kill. He's 
I don't know that the Bruins have a place for him. So no, they don't. Even if he wasn't, even if he wasn't, even if they weren't on the list, I don't see them getting him anyway, which is I'm okay with. I mean, Jonathan Druin is on injured reserve right now. He's 27 years old. I mean, you're you probably keep him just for the sake of having enough to get to the cap floor uh, next year. Because Kent Hughes has got a lot of work. Last? He played 34 games this season. Had 20 yeah. points, so not terrible. Uh, no, it was actually at the beginning of the season he was. They were actually touting, you know, his, his comeback. Not necessarily comeback player of the year. I don't even know if they have one in the NHL, but no. just this sort of like a Masterton type trophy. But I mean, it, it was remarked that he was doing well, and and it finally, you know, he's finally the the drew in that they were hoping for, and and then yeah, it kind of went quiet and. Now he's so maybe you keep him till the deadline next year and you move him then. Uh, but that team needs a earth shattering kablooey. And that's what Kent Hughes' job is going to be. Yep. Um. There's nothing really else that's irrelevant to the rebuild. You have four or five players to trade and get value for. Drew, yeah. you probably need him back on the ice for, as I said, the first half of next year. And mm-hmm. maybe you trade him right after Christmas or just before the All-Star game to maximize that value. Um, they've got a couple of other guys who are probably never playing in the league again. I mean, people have talked about Carey Price coming back, and I'm like, really? I think, yeah. I mean... I understand he probably wants to. But can is can he hold up to it? Uh, like mind, body, spirit, however you want to compile the physical and non-physical portions of it. He entered the player he entered the player assistance program for uh, behavioral issues because he hit a place where it was necessary. Yeah. Is he going to be able to stand up to the anti-glory of a rebuild in Montreal? Mm. Because Montreal loves their goaltending or hates their goaltending with an absolutely equal passion to Boston's regard for defensemen. And I, I, I don't know, I, but is Carey Price willing to? Is he is he in the same vein as Tukarask? I play for Montreal, or I play for no one. That may be the case. Because Rask was Rask was firm. He said, "I'm not playing. I I only want to play in Boston. I don't want to go anywhere else." He came back for those four, three or four games. Clearly, was not the same as he was prior to the hip surgery whether he rushed it back or whether the Bruins rushed him back or whether he felt better and thought it was good to go. Clearly it did not respond the way that he expected and he was done. That was it. He didn't go play anywhere out. He, he, that was his decision. He wanted to stay Bruins or nowhere. And that's the way it ended. I think that Carey Price may be in that same vein. Yeah, but there's the reverse of that. Is anyone going to take Carey Price at this point? Because even retaining 50% of his salary, which is the most you can, 
five million dollars for three, four more years. No, uh, one, two, four more years after this season. I mean, for that, for five million dollars a year, you need him to be able to show up. You need to have. That's still number one goalie money. That's. Well, yeah, that's what Olmark's getting. He needs to show, he needs to show up and he needs to play. He needs to get at least like a nine twelve nineteen nine fourteen save percentage. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm, I'm. Okay, or rather, how many general managers do you think have faith that he can do that, or enough faith that he can do that to want to risk their position for it? Because last year he played twenty five, just twenty five games, and had a nine oh one save percentage. Um, and went and went to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, no comment. Um, the year before that, he played 58 games, so good. Mm-hmm. Had a 909 save percentage. Yeah. And the year before that was a Carey Price season with 66 games uh, in the 18-19 season and 900 and a 918 save percentage. That's the that's what they're gonna want somewhere close to that. I don't know about the 66 games, but they're going to want that 918 or at least something close, 914. If, okay, if you can, for $5 million, if you can get a 918 in 66 games, he's worth Damn. it. Yeah. He's worth it. Absolutely. Jump yeah. that. But I don't, I don't know that you're so, going to get that. The year before that, he was 49 games and a 900 save percentage. That's not enough. That's not five million dollars a year. Well, not in my mind, anyway. Yeah, right, I, don't, not, I don't. It's not a good use of five million a year. <laughs> if you're if you're only interested in selling the jerseys, and there are general managers like that, Carey Price is from BC. If for some reason ownership out there decides they want to blow things up, and and bring in the uh, hometown boy as a solve to the burn for the local for the locals. I I think Vancouver is beyond that now. They've they've moved on to Thatcher Demko, and I don't see them. Well, there's no reason a, to. I don't see, I don't it see them. I don't need, I don't see them bringing in a Carey Price. There's no reason to put Thatcher Demko on pins and needles about something like that. Because if you bring in a Carey Price, you have to play him. Yes. Game alone says you have to play him. The contract says you have to pay him. And the contract, yes. And for that matter, why should Jeff Hughes – I mean, if Jeff Hughes trades him and retains 50% of the salary – Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes, sorry. That's okay, still yeah, no, $5 million out sure of right that he has to account for. Yes. He has to work around that for five years with the expectations of an original six market. <laughs> With the exact, with the expectation of an organization that's won, what thirty nine Stanley Cups, something like yeah. that. Twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, close. And, you know. But not, most of their fan base at this point was not alive the last time they won one. I understand that, but I'm just saying it. it it's it's the history of the thing. I mean, the Bruins do not have twenty three Stanley Cups. It's the history of the thing. It's become ex. It's an expectation, or at least it used to be an it expectation. Used to be an expectation. 
Now it would now be nice if now it would be nice if you could actually just make the first round. <laughs> in Toronto, they haven't won one in fifty-four years. Their expectation is just that they can beat the Bruins, uh, <laughs> and even that's a reach. So I, I mean, look at the rest rest of this list real quick. And Dallas Eakins gone. I don't see Pat Verbeek, new GM. I think he's just riding out the season with Eakins. I think he's going to bring in his own guys at the end of, you know, for the beginning of next season. Jay Woodcroft is interesting for the Woodcroft Oilers. Woodcroft and the Oilers. I don't know what to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence there because the Oilers are meh. And I don't know if it's Jay Woodcroft's fault or if it's just the team sucks. It's the team's construction. And Ken Holland hasn't been there a long time. He's only been there a couple of years, so he hasn't. I'm sure he hasn't had time to get his full rebuild done. I mean, yes, you've got McDavid. Yes, you've got Dreisaitl. Yes, you've got Darnell Nurse. Okay, now fill in the rest of it. You still need well, goaltending. Well, yeah, you, you, he, but it's not Holland's fault that 25% of his salary is tied up in two players. It's that was done under Chia Pete. He's now got to figure out how to make it work. It's not his fault, but it's his responsibility. Yes. I mean, they have Koskinen, whose contract expires this year. And that's the first contract that is Holland's fault, because he's the one who gave Koskinen the deal that he has now. So mm, hopefully he can get out from under that and, and not make that mistake again. And they have to do something about Smith, because Smith is <laughs> 40. Yes. At two point two million, he's not that hard to work around as, in terms of a salary, but they have a Vander Kane who's a UFA at the end of the year. Josh Archibald, I'm I mean, thinking, Vander Kane, they pre, they pretty much need to keep. I'm thinking there's going to be an extension there. Uh, it, it'll be in the off season. It'll be either it'll be at least four million, probably five. But the season that he's having. In Edmonton, there's no excuse not to keep him. <laughs> and he's and he just scored a he just scored a shorty the other night. I mean, the guy plays all through. I I know that you've liked him longer than I have, and you're going to remind me of that until we're both long somewhere under under the dirt. But and Vander Kane plays physical, up tempo. He's got speed. He's got size. He's got all the tools, and he plays shorthanded. He plays all all situations. We've made this argument multiple times how Sweeney didn't. Ugh. Anyway, um, but they're gonna they're gonna make a move. They're gonna there's gonna be an extension there. I don't doubt that at all. They're they're gonna keep him around. He has not shown them any reason to not keep him around. We said that about Buffalo too. I mean, he didn't want to play in Buffalo, but no. So that had part. That was part of it, but yes. But he's enjoying. I I don't know him, so I can't speak for him. But based on results and based on the fact that he's not making any negative statements, I would say he's enjoying his time in Edmonton. Absolutely. Um, I don't see anyone else who I think it's more than a coin flip on. Um, Mike Yo probably done in in Philly. 
John Hines is a toss up because I thought replacing uh, switching coaches with Washington or with or getting him from Philly wherever wherever the heck he came from it, it just Nashville is not changing until Nashville isn't going to see significant changes until Poyle Poyle is gone. Yeah. Poyle is 72 years old. Um, Still has a pretty good head on his shoulders. He does. But if you're the, if your ownership there, even though they're making the, they should make the playoffs this year. Are you confident they're going to win the cup? This season, probably not. Are they making the Western Conference Finals this year? Probably not. Uh, I'm I'm saying probably probably most likely a second round exit. I mean, could be a first round, but I don't think so. And that's saying that they make the playoffs. So I mean, I, I, if. if Again, one more time, your favorite phrase. Yes, if their opponent would be Calgary at this point. I think that they can hold their own against Calgary. I'm not going to come not in. Look terrible is about as far as I'll go because both teams <laughs> play well on the road and at home. Yeah. Um, neither one. Well, Calgary's only four, four and two in their last ten. Nashville is six four and zero, but I don't know. I think Calgary wins that, and it might not even be as long a season, as long a series as you're thinking. Wow. Okay. The goal differential alone is kind of impressive. Plus sixty seven yes. versus plus twenty five. Yeah. No, I agree. I I I think that I, it I think could. the games will be entertaining. And maybe even knuckle biters from uh, for from the start of the third period on, but I I would have a tough time with Nash seeing Nashville come out of that uh, come out of that series. So Hines sticks around. Um, who else do we have here that we haven't mentioned? We talked about Brunette. We talked about Woodcroft. Bonus. Uh, Oh, Mike Yo, yeah, no, done. Bruce Boudreaux, I think Vancouver picks up his option and gives him another year. Yep. Um, only because they've done okay under him. I mean, it hasn't been. There's something wrong stout, in the team dynamic there. It hasn't been a stellar improvement. It, it hasn't been a stellar improvement, and I don't think that it was. I still don't think that it was Travis Green's fault. Absolutely not. I think there's an there's a missing ingredient on the team. Yes. Um, I refer to it uh, off the show in places where we swear a little bit more. Um, <laughs> yep. As the um, fu factor in personalities. Yeah. And I don't think that that team has it. Not as a whole, and certainly not in significant measure in any individual. Well, I don't see it. I don't see it in. I don't see it in Quinn Hughes. I'm sorry. I don't see it in Quinn Hughes. I don't see it in Elias Patterson. Uh, one guy that I do see it in, and I know that you're going to – JT Miller has it. But if he's the only one, that's not enough. That That's the thing. The team doesn't have enough of it. Like if you could go and 
if you could grab a time machine and pop Kevin Bieksa from the peak of his career uh, into oh, yeah, this lineup, well, he, he's got it. <laughs> they're eight, they're eight, nine, maybe even twelve points better at this point. Yeah. Simply because he was willing to take nothing from no one ever. What if they had a guy like Kachuk on that team? Uh, either Kachuk or <laughs> any uh, of the Kachuks. Any of the Kachuks. <laughs> Keith, young Elon Lucic, Brady, Matthew. <laughs> um, yeah, a, ten, a, a, a ten years younger Milan Lucic. Mark Stewart. Um, okay, now you're going back a few years. Mark Stewart. I Mark understand. Stewart. Mark Stewart as a defensive defenseman added to that group who could still skate, who knew how to hit. <laughs> yeah. I and just, while he certainly wasn't the best fighter on the team. There's not enough oomph on that. Yeah. There's not enough oomph on that team. They need to, they need to find just a little bit of savagery. Like if. And in my mind, they tra- in my mind, they traded a one, they traded away one guy who did have it. I thought Tyler Mott did have it. I, he wasn't over the top about it, but Tyler Mott had that factor. I, and you traded him away. A guy who I can't see them getting a hold of without rear, heavily, rear, heavily rearranging their own roster. But a guy who I think could help that team enormously. Yes. Azam Kadri. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not going to get him away from UFA this this off season. Oh, so they can sign him, yeah, but they could sign him. My issue there is that Kadri is sort of a chameleon as a player. He try he seems to become whatever the team is lacking, and he might go over the top as the guy with that belligerence, that truculence, as uh, Berkey would put it. Are you saying there's nobody that could kind of keep him in his cage? There's no one. I don't think there's anyone he would feel was equally truculent on the team. Okay. And he's, I mean, he's obviously proven this year that he's still capable of playing a top six role. On oh, hell yeah. He's proved I mean, that in his years. He's proved that in his last couple of years with, with Colorado that he's. 86 points in 65 games. I mean, at yeah. one point during the season, weren't we talking about him as a possible hard candidate? There was the conversation that people were having. Um, we've covered most of the most of the stuff. Um, really, really quickly, Keith Yandel's streak, uh, Iron Man streak, ends at 989 this week. Bill Kessel is 21 games behind him. Kessel will be a UFA uh, this season. He doesn't have enough games left on the year to cross Yandel this year. Does Kessel retire? He's got like four goals this season. It's actually more than four, but it's not many. Uh, does does Kessel retire? Yeah. Or does Yandel got, retire? Kessel's got 42 points in 68 games. Yandel actually has... Yandel actually has another another year on his contract. Kessel is a UFA. I think it all depends on whether somebody offers him something to come back and play another year. Because Kessel will be 35 when the season starts. 
Yeah, so he's, he's looking at 35-plus contracts anyway. He's looking at one, two years max contracts. He did he did cross 20 goals last year. Uh, he had 20 goals in 40 and 56 games. Is his output the result of the team that he's playing, the team that's playing around him, though? I mean, it's basically the same team as last year. I mean, he doesn't have Christian. Christian Dvorak's not there, but that's the biggest change. He might then he might call it a day. I don't I I don't know that he's uh, I don't know I think somebody's going to offer him another show me deal for next season hoping that this is a is he going to be is he going to be comfortable with third line money getting like two and a half million a year to go play pick a team any team is Kessel going there for two and a half million? I mean, is Pittsburgh going to take him back next year? Probably not. No. How about Philly? Can't uh, see it. Don't see it. Nashville? Nope. Nope. Boston? No. Hard no. Really? You don't, don't want him. Coming back to Boston. You don't. You don't want him, but would Sweeney has given him the money? <laughs> I think that Sweeney is too in love with his prospects to look seriously at bringing in anyone else. Okay. Um, oh, um, I mentioned, I tweeted about Bobby Trevino, uh, Trevingo, uh, possibly or probably getting a contract as the as his uh, college career wound up at, and it looks like the Rangers have signed him uh, to a couple, uh, to an entry contract. Uh, Two-year entry level. Yep. Not a bad way to finish uh, your college career at Amherst. uh, 49 points in 37 games. That's after a not so, after another not so bad season of, 34 points in 29 games. It's also nice that he's playing, you know, he's playing for a New York team being from Setauket, New York. So, And two assists in his first AHL game for the Wolfpack. Uh, nice way to get your uh, feet wet in the pros. Yeah. 5'8", uh, 161 pounds. Uh, good luck to him. The Bruins had their own... Uh, signing and this one I'm very curious to see how it develops um, I would not encourage anyone to get uh, a great deal of hope up uh, this is, Brand- this is, no I was just going to say this is another hometown like Setauk at New York for Bobby Trevino signs with New York you want to mention Brandon Busey uh, oh, not the one I was thinking of okay no, they just signed Brandon Busey to an NCAA. Uh, he came out of Western Michigan. Um, he's from South Beach, New York. 6'5", 205-pound right-catching goaltender. Oh. not know for sure if this is a depth move or if this is something that I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, who was it you were thinking of for Boston? I was thinking of Mr. First Goal, got his first goal against oh, the New Jersey well, Devils. That was... 
I thought he was. He was a free. He was a no. He was a free agent. He was a college free agent signing last week or the week before. Oh yeah, out of Boston oh. College. He's from Billerica, Massachusetts. That was a separate category. Oh, um, my apologies. Mark McLaughlin had one of the better first goals uh, I've seen in the in a couple of years from an undrafted player or any player really. Um, the other night in the Bruins absolute shellacking of whatever team that was supposed to be on the NA, on the ice, I believe it was New Jersey. They, they were calling themselves the New Jersey Devils. Yes. Um, they, the, the sad thing is, is the New Jersey Devils honestly didn't even lay down at any point in the game uh, and just take it. But the Bruins just ran them over. Mark McLaughlin's goal came off of a block shot, bounces out to the board. Uh, McLaughlin basically drives center ice, moves a little bit off to his left uh, as he's getting towards the goal. And Trent Frederick absolutely did everything right in setting up this goal. Literally everything right. Um, from the puck collection to moving well off to uh, the right boards um, and adjusting his angle so that there was a good gap between him and McLaughlin. Um, the angle opened up so that the defender had to either commit heavy to the pe- to covering a shot from uh, Frederick or commit to taking away the pass entirely and going heavy at McLaughlin. Uh, I think that the defender did the best they could because while Trent Frederick isn't a superstar goal scorer, it also wasn't his first NHL game. We've seen him score goals. And then perfect velocity, perfect placement on the pass to McLaughlin, who roofed it like a 30-goal scorer. It was gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. The brief, the brief video clip that I saw, yes, I, I did not get to see the beginning how how Frederick took control of the puck. I saw it from where he picks it up, coming off the boards, out of the defensive zone. But I mean, beautiful saucer pass, tape to tape. McLaughlin received it, shot, and one beautiful one timer over Nico Dawes. I mean, it was nice to watch. At least I think it's Nico Dawes. Um. It was honestly irrelevant because there's not many goalies who were stopping that shot. No, it was going in. It was definitely going in. And it, the beauteous thing was that he was on the he was on the stick side of the goaltender and put it back across and over the glove hand. So he went opposite. He went opposite side when he shot it, and which again, beautiful thing. I mean. Usually the usually the younger skaters would have shot it straight on from where they were angled as opposed to going back across the body type deal. It, it, it was nice to watch. It was nice, high skill goal. Absolutely. And so welcome, to up, the, welcome to the NHL. Congratulations, Mark. Wrapping up the Darnell Nurse conversation from last week. Um, these polls never cease to amaze me. This one here, I I think, pardon me, but maybe his mom logged in to vote. Um, Maybe. 97.1% 
of people responding to the poll question mm-hmm. vis-a-vis today's show do you consider Darnell Nurse a top 10 NHL defenseman said no so 90, 97% of the people that said no said no no wow I mean maybe they were all Calgary fans um no, we do have one person who commented and said maybe top twenty or twenty-five. Are you serious? I, I I am willing to listen to arguments for him being in the top fifteen and not the, uh, just outside the top ten. But I think if you're genuinely putting him at twenty-five, I no. I mean that's that's like putting. Brad Marchand at like number seventeen uh, in the league as far as left wings. You can do it, but you kind of look like a clown. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! So I can see that you had a, a, a conversation about somebody's top five. Yes, uh, and we can talk about that in the future if there's time. Okay. We're a little bit heavy today. Uh, One other question we had, and I don't know if I I think the answer is to the question I asked for you and myself. (laughs) Question is, of course, uh, when does Stewart get a turn? And I think the answer is when he earns it. Um, Because as Ken, as a, what is it? Uh, as the article points out on Copper and Blue, mm-hmm. um, he's only faced one team outside, or as of the writing of this article, he's only faced one team out of the bottom, uh, out of the bottom of the league, and he still has a not great set of numbers at a three forty one goals against and eight ninety six save percentage through nineteen games. Okay. Um, it, yeah, in his 12 starts, uh, Skinner has faced exactly one opponent that doesn't sit at the bottom of, bottom half of the league's overall standings. Um, so the que- the answer to the question the article implies, and I ask flat out, when he earns it. I think the I think the the issue there. I mean, yes, he has. He's played in 13 games. He's 6-6, six and six, so he's 500 in his starts. He's got a 9-13 save percentage, 262 goals against. I mean, 2.62 goals against. I think the issue is, you ask, you, you, your answer is when he earns it, but the issue is that it's not in a vacuum. That team, the other two goaltenders, Mike Smith, for whatever reason, age, whatever, I mean, he's... Eight and nine. He's one game under 500 in his starts. He's got a 3.49 goals against and an 8.94 save percentage. You go to Miko Koskinen, who I can't even find on the list. I'm not sure where he is because he, yeah. I just I think that it's not so much when he earns it. I think I'm concerned that Edmonton has to go further than that and say, look. He's the best option right now. Miko Koskinen has – he's 25 and 10. Okay, so in 30 in, – in 
38 games. He's 25, 10, and 3. But he's got a 9.02 save percentage and a 3.10 goals against. So both goalies currently playing are eh compared to Stewart's numbers. So, yeah, okay, Stewart's 13 games aren't against all top competition. But at some point, you have to give it. it the Bruins did the same thing with Swayman at the beginning of the season. They signed Olmark. He was the number one. They were switching back and forth, but Swayman was getting starts against the lesser competition. At some point, they had to start him against better competition, and he improved and showed that he belonged. You got to give Stewart the chance. I, I understand the comment of he should he should get the starts when he earns it, but right now I think he kind of has. Just he's a better goaltender. And right now, he's their best option. Uh, in a lot of ways, I agree with you. And I'm going to ask this question, and we're not going to answer it today because I'm going to put the poll up this week. Between Stu- between Swayman and Omark, the Boston Bruins have, uh, I believe, zero is the number of playoff wins. Uh, that's, uh, you know what? That's the a good pos- that's a good possibility. Um, should they have picked up a a veteran goaltender with some playoff experience in case something happens to one or both of these guys? I will ask that poll question. As always, ladies and gentlemen, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, uh, random people you run into on the Internet and in person have an awesome week and we will be back uh, next week making our, maybe making our playoff predictions as things firm up. Uh, Have a great week.